We had just finished uh, dinner, and we just had dessert, and it was fantastic, and it's not something that we normally have after dinner, uh, dessert. It's not like when we would go over to my grandma's house growing up. After every dinner, there was dessert. Every time we were there, there was always dessert. It was just a staple at dinner. That tradition has not made its way into our home, uh, but on this night, there was actually dessert after dinner, and it was my favorite dessert, and it was delicious. Every bite was wonderful, and I looked over at Brooke, and I said, thank you so much for making this. We should have this more often. And she said, no, we really shouldn't, and I said, <laughs> I said it's, it's so good, and it's not even that bad for you, and she looked at me. I'm like, well, it has fruit in it, and she's like, but uh, it, it was delicious, and I said, no, really, we should have this more often, and she said, this is impossible to make. I'm like, well, apparently not, because it was delicious and we just had it. She's like, it is miserable to make. If you want it more often, you can make it. I'm like, well, I'm not going to do that. No, we should just, we should have it more often, but I'm not going to make it. What? No, that's not how this is supposed to work. We have the recipe. We have the recipe available for us. We can make it any time we want. The recipe is there, and it explicitly states what we have to do. The problem isn't that we don't know what to do. The problem is we don't really want to do it. This morning, we're going to talk about the second most important thing in your life. Now, without apology, we believe the most important thing in your life is your relationship with Jesus. And the second most important thing in your life is your relationships. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. And we all know that relationships are hard. Every aspect of relationships are hard. Sometimes it's hard to get into a relationship if you want to be in a relationship. I know that there are some people today, you desperately long to be in a relationship and you're not in a relationship. And that's a hard season of your life. The easiest season of relationships is falling in love. Because there's the new, and it's, it's fun. You're putting your best foot forward. They're putting their best foot forward. It's, it's, just, it's a wonderful phase where they can do no wrong, and you can do no wrong, and you just see past each other's flaws and past each other's faults. And even though those things would drive you crazy, and anyone else, they're cute because they're the person that you have feelings for. And it's those little cute things that, oh, they're just, you know, it's what makes them unique, and they're fun, and, and that's exciting. And then you get married, and six weeks into it, they're driving you crazy, and you don't know why. And it's because they haven't changed, even though you think they've changed. They haven't changed. They're just not putting forward as much effort in putting the best foot forward any longer. And there it is. And that's why some of you are in relationships right now. And you're like, hey, we're not really going to do the marriage thing because I've been down that road or I've seen other people go down that road. And that's, that just doesn't end well. And, and, and you're trying to prolong this. And what we're going to see today is there, there in every aspect of relationships, there's difficulty. Because it's us giving ourselves to somebody else and opening ourselves up to somebody else and living our lives together. And none of us are perfect. And all of us have different levels of selfishness within us. And relationships make that apparent. And in the same way that we saw last week as we're walking through 1 Peter, that our response to the society in which we live conveys something about 
whether or not we follow Jesus and what that looks like in our lives, how we conduct ourselves with the people in our lives also matters. So if you have your phones or your tablets, I'd invite you to follow along with us in the Bible app today. It's a free resource that you can download from the app store of your choosing. Once you have it installed on your device, there's an events feature within the Bible app, and you can either enable your locations or type in zip code 54201, and there Lakeside Community Church will pop up, and you can follow along that way. If you have a traditional Bible with you, we're going to be in the New Testament book of 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to begin in verse 1 today as we look at the second most important thing in your life, and that is your relationships. And we start this way in 1 Peter 3, beginning in verse 1. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their Wives. Now, a couple of important disclaimers to talk about today, just right off the bat. First of all, if something ruffles your feathers, if I say something today that you don't like and it's directly out of 1 Peter, remember the context. This isn't me saying this, all right? So you can be angry at me, and that's fine. I, I'll wear it, but this is from Peter under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So this is from God, first and foremost. It's, that's what we need to remember, first and foremost. And, and second of all is remember that when the Bible was originally written, there weren't chapter and verse breakdowns. We, have, we added the chapters and the verses later on to, so we could have easy reference points. But, but the books of the Bible were written, as in, in the case of, of Peter and much of the New Testament, as one long letter and that we've then broken down. So when we talk now to, to the wives, we're, we're right on the heels of the conversation that we've just had, the conversation that we just had at the end of 1 Peter chapter 2. And that is all of our responsibility and how we conduct ourselves in society, and we're taken back to the sacrifice of Jesus. So right on the heels of that, we now move into 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1, where, we're, where we read this instruction, that wives, you are to be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. Be subject to your own husbands in the way that all of us were called to be subject to the rulers of, in, in the society in which we live. And I recognize that this is a forbidden concept in our culture. This is a forbidden concept in our culture. We have elevated the idea of individualism above all others. And the idea that I would want or I would need to submit to somebody else, it's, it's a sign of weakness and it's, it's a sign that we just, we abhor in our society. And we shake our heads at and we're like, what is that all about? And yet we read this instruction and there's no way that we can get around it. This is part of the recipe that God has given us for healthy relationships, that God wants to us to experience the best that we can possibly experience in our lives, and he's given us the recipe. It doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean that every aspect of it's going to be fun, but this is the recipe that God has given us that if we will live our lives this way, it will produce the best results in our lives, and it will produce the most fruitful relationships that we can be in and it will produce the most blessing that we will experience. And why does this matter so much? Because notice the context that, that Peter's talking about here. He's commending the faith of the women who are receiving this letter. 
And he's showing the women that some of you are in relationships right now with husbands who haven't even reached the point of following after Jesus. You're the spiritual leader in your home. And this matters so much because one of the best ways that you can show Jesus to your spouse who doesn't believe the same way that you do is for you to submit to your husband. He goes on, when they see, when they see your respectful and pure conduct, when they see your respectful and pure conduct, that you would, that you would submit to your husband and you would respect them, that you would respect them, that it wouldn't be a race every day to point out their flaws, but instead you would look for ways that they shine. That when things are difficult and you, and you do disagree on things, that you're willing to, to, to respect them even in that disagreement. To respect their perspective. This is all about elevating somebody else. Respect them. And that you would live a pure lifestyle. That they would look at you and they would see there's something different about you. You would respect them and you would live a pure life. And he goes on. Do not let your adorning be external. The braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart. With the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Which in God's sight is very precious. He says this. Ladies, don't let your appearance be the most significant thing about you. Don't let your appearance be the most significant thing about you. Now, I recognize Instagram would go out of business if we actually applied this business model in our minds and in the ways that we live our lives. But this is the charge. For those of you who follow after Jesus, don't let your appearance be the most significant thing about you. Is there anything wrong with wearing makeup? No. Is there anything wrong with being stylish? Absolutely not. Is there anything wrong with jewelry? Well, it depends how much it costs. But... <laughs> You know. No, there's nothing wrong with jewelry. There's nothing wrong with any of, those, any of these things. Don't misinterpret what he's saying. It's not wrong for you to wear makeup. It's not wrong for you to be stylish. It's not wrong for you to look good. It's not wrong for you to wear jewelry. But he's saying don't make the most significant aspect of who you are as an individual the way that you look. Don't find all of your self-worth in your appearance. Don't spend all of your time and all of your energy doing this. Make sure that you spend more time on the person that you are than you do staring in the mirror, trying to make sure your hair looks the exact way before you head out to the fancy dinner. Make sure you're focused on who you are as a person and as an individual. Now, I recognize that what I have just said screams against our culture. I recognize that. Because our culture says, oh, submission, respect, pure conduct, not being overly dependent upon the way that you look, that all of this, the best relationships are done within marriage. Our, our culture tells us, well, that's all boring. It tells us that, okay, if you're going to submit to somebody, you can't really be an individual. Oh, you're going to respect somebody? 
What about the times they're wrong? What about the times that they're an idiot? Stand up for yourself. Oh, you're not gonna, you're not gonna spend time on, on style and, and what, you're just gonna look frumpy everywhere you go? In marriage, whoa, whoa. Welcome to the most boring, sexless adventure that you could ever sign up for, right? That's what our culture tells us. That is the message that our culture tells us. Don't do it. You're going to make a giant mistake. And the message that Scripture gives us is just the opposite of this. The message of God's plan is that marriage is one of the most fulfilling things you will ever experience when it's done well. And I know that some of you have have already been down this road, and it wasn't done well. And frankly, it wasn't done according to the recipe that God lays out. And it was one of the most miserable experiences that you've ever encountered. And I understand the hurt from that. And I understand you're you're a byproduct of that. And you're like, "I, I don't want any part of that because of the hurt, because of the wounds, because of the scars that this has in, in my life. I understand that there's some times where, where you have found yourself in a situation that goes against everything Scripture would teach. And there's legitimate confusion in your mind because you, you've been a byproduct of abuse. And you're like, am I supposed to sit there and take that? Is that what submission looks like? And the answer is absolutely not. Absolutely not. But if we will do this well, and if we will apply the recipe that God gives us in our lives, we will have the most fulfilling relationships we could possibly imagine. There's an entire book of the Bible that's devoted to sex in Song of Solomon. And it's not just this idea of sex. I mean, there, there, are, there are descriptions and there are things in the book of Song of Solomon. And why does this matter so much? Because sex is a big part of people's lives. And sex has the ability to screw up your life faster than anything else. It just does. It's a powerful gift that God has given us. But every time, every time we engage with it outside of God's recipe, there are consequences. We've got to be careful with what we do with the gift. And our culture tells us there aren't any restrictions. Do whatever you want. It will lead to such fulfillment And if that were the case, then why do we see society in the way we see it now? Because it's a lie. And instead, the path to fulfillment and the path to freedom is according to God's recipe. If we'll follow it. And then, Peter says, the proof. The proof of this, because this was countercultural even at the time that Peter was writing this. He says the proof of this is to take a look back, to take a look back. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children. If you do good and do not fear anything, that is frightening. Now, Sarah called Abraham Lord. We haven't reached that level yet in the Pursley home, all right? I'm, we're trying. We're trying, but Brooklyn still doesn't call me Lord. So just understand, we are a work in progress, okay? We're a work in progress. I'm just being honest with you. Don't have it all figured out. If you would pray for her, that'd be wonderful. Don't get, (laughs) she watches, she knows. All right, don't get too hung up on the exact title because I know some of you right now are like, well, this is out. I am never calling him Lord. (laughs) The point is this, the point is this, do good. Do good by your spouse. Respect your spouse. Hold them in high regard. Operate according to God's recipe. Operate according to God's plan. 
And he says this, don't fear anything. Don't fear anything. This can be frightening. This can be frightening, especially in a culture that tells us that you've got to be strong and you've got to, you've got to look out for you and you can't submit to anybody. You can't respect anybody. Look out for you. He says, don't fear anything. Don't fear anything that is frightening. And just know this. If you do this, you're going to be misunderstood. If you do this, not everyone's going to agree with you. If you do this, people are going to make fun of you. He says, don't fear that. Don't worry about any of that. Now, gentlemen, I think we're all ready to pray and go home. Uh, However, Peter goes on. In verse 7, he says, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Let's break this down. Likewise, husbands. See, it's not just the wives who have to submit to their husbands in God's recipe. Husbands, you have to submit to your wives as well. You don't get to just play the, well, you got to submit card. Submit, submit, submit. No, you have to submit as well. This is all according to God's design. This is all according to God's plan. Then in the same way, we would ask the wives to to submit to their husbands according to God's plan. Husbands, we would ask you to submit to your wives also according to God's plan. There's mutual submission. And what happens when there's actually the mindset of mutual submission in the relationship is every decision stops being a tug of war. Everything stops being a contest where you feel like, I've got to win this. And you recognize what marriage is all about. You recognize we're on the same team. And when you succeed, I succeed. And when I succeed, you succeed. And there is no more me, it's now we. This is what God has called us to. This is what God desires. That wives, you would submit to your husbands. And husbands, you would submit to your wives. And you're not always going to like it. Yesterday, we had a garage sale. I am not a garage sale kind of guy. There is nothing about a Saturday where I want to sit out with tables of stuff I no longer use and peddle it to people that now want to use the stuff I no longer use. That's just not my idea of fun. I know some of you love garage sales, and, and you're really excited about that. That's cool. I love baseball. You might not, you know? I mean, like, we can all like different things and be friends. That's great. But our boys wanted to do a lemonade, lemonade stand in conjunction with the garage sale. Also a horrible idea. I mean, children, nine and seven, lemonade. Could you think of something stickier? Like, this is just not, and then it's going to spill on, like, all over the place. Like, this is just, but my wife thought it'd be a wonderful idea for our children to have a lemonade stand. Guess what? We had a lemonade stand yesterday. And we are the only people to have ever run a children's lemonade stand and lost money in the process. Because at a garage sale lemonade stand, what you do, if, if, in case any of you ever want to do a lemonade stand, you get one of those giant five or ten gallon buckets. You throw some crystal light in there. You bust out the garden hose. You squeeze it on. 
till it looks about good. You screw the top on and you give it a little shake. And you make up the sign. You're charging 50 cents for this lemonade. All right? Nobody expects when they're coming to a lemonade stand run by a seven and a nine-year-old, they have the greatest lemonade of their lives. So that's what I thought we were going to do for some lemonade. But no, Brian, if we're going to run a lemonade stand, we've got to sell a product that we can stand behind. My wife went to the store, bought bags of lemons, pulled out the juicer and was doing fresh squeezed lemonade, bought 32 ounce cups and we charged people 50 cents for the lemonade. They were raving about it. Of course they were raving about it. I was taking a bath every time one of my kids sold a glass of lemonade. They sold out in an hour. Of course they did. They're like, we need more product. I said, we can't afford more product. <laughs> it cost me a lot of money, and it was one of the best things I've done for my marriage. <laughs> you know why? I didn't want the lemonade stand. We lost money on the lemonade stand, but Brooke and the boys wanted to do the lemonade stand. And they were so excited that they got to do a lemonade stand. Now, listen, those of you who know me know I do not always get it right. So I'm not standing up here trying to tell you, hey, every t I get, I've got this nailed down perfectly. I don't. But I'm telling you, there are some times that you're just going to look at the idea of a lemonade stand. You're going to be like, that's going to be sticky. That's going to be a mess. Oh, they want to do fresh squeezed lemonade. That's going to cost me money. There's nothing good about this idea but my wife wants to do it, so we're going to do it. Now, I draw the line at a cat or a dog, all right? That's, that's just not happening. <laughs> but there are some times, there are some times, that you just have to say, you know what? It's not about what I want. It's not about what I think. I'm going to support you. I'm going to get behind your idea, and we're going to go after it. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Be understanding. Don't be easily annoyed. Don't be dismissive. They don't want a solution. I know you want to give them a solution. They don't want a solution. And they want to tell you about the problem five different times. And you've got the solution, but save the solution. It's not about a solution. It's about a connection. Just listen. Offer the solution. It's not going to be accepted. Just know that before you even offer it, but at least you offered. And buckle in. All right? Buckle. You're not going anywhere for a while. Just get comfy. But listen. Just don't shut it down. Don't be dismissive. It's one of the, it's one of the differences that we have in the ways that we communicate. And embrace it. Love, love your wives through this. Showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Oh, I know that sounds wonderful. <laughs> and you're all like, we're not weak. This isn't saying that women are inferior in any way. This isn't saying that women aren't as good as men. It is saying that there are differences between men and women. 
Men and women were designed with differences, and we live in a culture that wants to erase many of the distinctions and many of the differences between men and women, and we were created both fully in God's image. Men and women are fully equal in the image of God. We were both made in God's image. This isn't, this isn't an issue when, when Peter says the weaker vessel of whether or not women are inferior. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Fully equal, fully important to God. Peter's pointing out that physically, women tend to be weaker than men. And we can all point out the exception, but typically women are weaker than men. He says, husbands, it's your role to provide. Husbands, it's your role to protect. Husbands, it's your role to, to lead from strength. Since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, heirs in the grace of life, that we cultivate intimacy within the marriage relationship. And sometimes the result of that intimacy is new life. There are children. Not always, but sometimes there are children as a result of the intimacy that has been cultivated. And now your, your parents and, and your, your partners and your parents and, and you co-parent. It's partners in this relationship. Kids need dads and kids need moms. And we are co-heirs. We walk together in this. This is God's recipe for the most fulfillment. That we walk together in this. And in case you're wondering, how important is it for you as a husband to really do these things? Does this really matter? Well, we're given that answer. Because if you aren't doing your job, you don't just have a problem with your wife. You have a problem with God. Peter says, do these things so that your prayers will not be hindered. How much does God love your wife? So much so that if you have a problem in the way you treat her, your problem isn't just with her. Your problem's with God. Now, you do what you want. You live your life the way that you want to live, but I'm just going to give you some friendly advice. If I had the choice of not taking off God or my wife, I'm going to go that route. You may feel up for a little adventure. And if that's the case, then go ahead. But I promise it's not going to be pleasant. And it's not going to be fun. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. So be of one mind, unity of mind. Be on the same page. Have sympathy. Have care and concern for one another. Brotherly love. I, I love this concept of brotherly love. Why? Because the attraction's gonna fade. The attraction's gonna fade. 
It might take six weeks. It might take six months. It might take, I would say six years, but let's be honest. It's everyone before six years. The attraction has faded. And it's not that you don't think the other person's attractive. It's not that you don't. It's just that it's not like it was. Falling in love is easy. Staying in love is hard. The attraction fades. And this is why love that is based more than on appearance matters so much. Especially if the relationship is going to stand the test of time. It can't just be based on the way that someone looks. But brotherly love is a deep affection. Brotherly love lasts. Brotherly love means you will fight. Brotherly love means that you will protect. Brotherly love means you will drive one another absolutely crazy. you're still on one another's side. A tender heart. See and believe the best in one another. See and believe the best. Get rid of the you always and you never. Just strike them from your vocabulary. See and believe the best in one another. Humble mind. Each day, let me give you a way to do this. Each day, think of one tangible way that you can lift up the other person. Be thinking of ways to elevate your partner. Be thinking of ways to elevate them. Put their needs in front of your own. When you are wronged, and you will be, because the person that you're in love with or were in love with is imperfect, When you're wronged, don't wrong back. I know sometimes it's fun. I know sometimes it feels good. I know sometimes it's fun just to throw the mother-in-law card in the middle of the argument. Don't. Just don't. Don't compare her to her mother in the midst of, you're, it's just, yeah, it'll get the reaction you want, but it's just don't do it. Just don't do it. When you're wronged, don't wrong back and serve and love your spouse serve and love your spouse this is the recipe that God has given us it is not easy it is not easy to submit to somebody else it is not easy to always show respect this is what God has called us to do. God has, God has given us the recipe for the most fulfilling relationships that we could experience. And the recipe for that is marriage. It's marriage. And everywhere we see in Scripture marriage, we see it's between a man and a woman. It's just God's design. It's the recipe that God has given us. And I recognize that that's countercultural. And I want you to know that the church in Corinth the church in Corinth didn't get this right. 
We see sections of 1 Corinthians where there were some freaks in the church in Corinth. I mean, they were just straight out freaky. Some things, even in our society, we'd be like, yeah, probably don't go there. Now, give us 20 years, and we'll probably be there the way things are going. Who knows? But give us, like, we'll get there. But here's the reality. That God still loved those people. Even though they weren't doing things according to God's design. Even though they weren't doing things according to God's recipe. Now, I would tell you, if you want the most fulfilling relationship that you can possibly have, do it according to God's recipe. Do it according to God's plan. But if you find yourself not there today, you don't have to question whether or not God loves you. He does. Now, he doesn't want you to just continue on and on and on. As a follower of his, he wants your life to conform to his desires and his plans for your life. But you never have to question whether or not God loves you. You never have to question whether or not we'll be here for you at Lakeside. Because we will. No matter where you are in your journey, we love you. I just want to tell you, if you want the most fulfilling, rewarding experience you can have in terms of relationships, it's follow God's plan. And that means that we will submit to one another. That wives will submit to their husbands, and husbands will submit to their wives. That wives will respect their husbands, and husbands will be gentle and patient with their wives. And that together we will show and model Jesus to one another. Because that's what it's all about. This is not easy but it is the most fulfilling relationship you will ever experience. You will not be universally understood. There will be people who make fun of you. There will be people who mock you and ridicule you. But you have the ability to point your partner to Jesus by how you live your life. And you have the ability to show a culture that has this entirely messed up, what a fulfilling relationship really looks like. It isn't going to be easy, but it'll be worth it. God, I pray that we would be people who honor you in every aspect of our lives, in our sexuality, in our relationships. God, that we would honor you with what you have called us to do. That we would be people who love one another, that we would be people who live according to your plan and your purposes. I pray, God, that you would help us with this because this is not easy and it isn't fun. But I pray that you would help us. We live in a culture and a society that says this is a sign of weakness, this is a sign of being old-fashioned, this is a sign that's outdated. God, that we would just reject those messages and we would instead focus on the message that you've provided us. Lord, that you would bless us as a result. And you would allow us to experience the most fulfilling relationships. God, I pray that you would work in our relationships here. That you would strengthen them. And we would strengthen one another as a result of them. For your glory, Jesus. In your name we pray.